Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Yeah? I'm going to walk around a little bit, so still work right here? Good, good, good. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys. Uh, my name is Alex Ludvicek, and this is my wife, Trisha. She will be joining me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she doesn't want to. She'll just sit there. Um, so, yes, we, we are sorry. We left our two kids. They're very cute, and we never yell at them. Um, <laughs> We left them with grandparents. You know, we have to put up a fight to take them away from them in November when we head back to the field, and we only want to do that once. So if they want them this weekend, that's fine. We'll let them have it. But anyway, their names are Jack and Benaya, and that's their names right there. I have a picture somewhere. Does this work? There they are. So... We were reminiscing on our drive here. So we're from Iowa, and we live in Iowa City, and it's, it's not too far of a drive. It's really pretty. And we were thinking, you know, the last time we were here was four years ago. Um, what's Jack's birthday? June 18th. I knew that. We spoke here on June 18th because it was his first birthday when we were here. And now he's five years old. Look at him. He's so cute. Um, he started kindergarten here in the States for our furlough. We're, we're on furlough right now. We serve in Indonesia with Mission Aviation Fellowship, and we're on a little furlough, and we'll be heading back in uh, the end of November. But anyway, he's, he's in kindergarten. He loves to read um, or be read at. He likes to talk to people, and he's adorable. And then our little Ben, um, his name is Benaya. He is now three years old, and he likes to eat dirt, basically. He's, he's a typical three-year-old kid. He's really fun, and he's also with grandma and grandpa. Yep, so that's, that's the family, and we are uh, one of the missionary families that you guys support here, and I just want to take this time to thank you for that. Thank you for how you guys support us uh, financially to be able to serve out there, and also just for how you guys pray for us, and we, it really, really makes a difference. Um, and we can tell uh, when a lot of people are praying for us. So we just thank you for that. And I'm going to say now before I forget, we have a sign-up sheet. If you guys want to get our prayer letters, either we send a quarterly letters out through MAF, and we also send personal emails. That's um, like once every month or so. And if you want to keep up with us and what's going on, please sign up for that. And, yeah, we would like that. Help you pray for us better. So... Moving on, uh, okay, I'm, I'm a pilot, I'm not really a speaker, uh, so I have a video to kind of help get us in the mood of what, what it is that we do, that, that's kind of what I want to talk about. What, what do we do with MAF? Uh, what has our four years looked like so far since the last time we spoke? And we'll, we'll share some stories from that. And, uh, yeah, so if you have any questions, keep them in the back of your head, and let's watch this video real quick.
people, huh? You know, that a video like that is what got me into mission aviation. I was on a different track, uh, gonna gonna do something else with my life, and then I watched something like this, and I, I felt that that is exactly what God wanted me to do. So I I don't hesitate to show it and share it because if anyone here, all you your kids, if you're interested in doing something cool, this is a cool thing to do. But I hope you didn't see that video and see the pilots or the airplane. Um, I hope you saw the people because that's what this ministry is about. It's about serving people and sharing Christ's love. So we came from Iowa. That's where we're both from. We met in high school and started dating in college, went to Moody Aviation and um, shortly after graduating and paying off debt, we joined MAF and did our training and fundraising thing. And that's when you last met us. And then since then, we, we moved out to Indonesia. And that's where we live now. So we've spent our first 10 months in language school. And then we moved to the island that we serve in called Papua, which is... I have pictures. Look at that. So that orange one is America. Let me show you here. Right there. And then this whole green thing over here is Indonesia. And that's the country that we we serve in. And uh, the, you know, they, they have 700 languages in Indonesia, something, 700-something languages, a lot. But we only speak Indonesian. We don't know any other ones. We can bar- I can barely speak English, so that's hard enough. And this is what Papua looks like. There it is. You know, I'm from Iowa. I'm sorry. I don't have Missouri's. Uh, comparison here but that's about how big papua is it's it's a a fairly large island the whole island is called new guinea and the other side of it is a different country called papua new guinea and it's easy to mix up and it's it's basically the same thing so um, i won't be offended if you say papua new guinea it's fine is there another one here um, so I want to talk to you a little about where we serve. That dot right there is right on top of our house. And it's a town called Nabire. And it's a very strategic area. We really love working there. There's, we're right on the coast. It's hot and we can see the ocean and it's, it's beautiful. But it's awesome because the area that we serve in, oh, these are all the other different bases there. The yellow is recently closed. But we serve basically this entire area of Papua. And it's very strategic because there's a lot of Bible translation going on. And it's something that we're very passionate about. We go in, uh, missionaries go into these areas and there isn't a written language in, in their native tongue. They might speak the, their language, the tribe next to them, and then maybe Indonesian, the national language, but they might not understand it. And that is a problem when you have a Bible that you can't understand or there might not even be a church that exists. So a lot of our friends serve out there that we get to serve are Bible translators. And they go into villages and they spend decades learning the language, developing a written language, teaching them how to use it, and then presenting the gospel to them, which is super special. And we've we've only been in Papua for... 
three and a half years now, and we've got to experience uh, a Bible dedication where they have their first printed copy of all the books to their people in their own language. And we've also been a part of a, a, a community where they have never heard the gospel before, and these missionaries who have been there for the past seven years got to chronologically go through the Bible and teach them about the creator God how how he's created them and loves them each individually and has died for them. And we saw a church born in, in Bina when just a couple months ago. And it's just really special that we get to be a part of serving those people doing such great things. So that's just one of the things that we do. Um, so now I get into the fun part. Do you know, I have a, it's a silly joke, but I'm a dad, so I can do that. Uh, how do you know when a pilot enters a room? Do you know? You don't know? They tell you. <laughs> Pilots generally like to talk about airplanes. So I get to stand up here and talk about airplanes. This is really fun for me. So let's talk about MAF. Oh, this is a cool picture. All these little different colored things right all over, those are all different languages that they speak, not dialects, languages, individual languages out in, in Papua. And just looking at them, we, our close friends are translating right here, right here, right here, right here, right there. Um, right there was just the Bible translation. And that's just um, from in this little area from our past couple of years. So it's a, it's a powerful image here. That that really, when I look at this, it, yeah, it can be confusing, but um, I understand why there's so many languages, and that's the reason why MAF serves out there. So let's talk about why MAF serves out there. They just changed their vision statement and mission statement, so I'm just going to tell it to you to remind me as well. So the vision is to see isolated people changed by the love of Christ. So how do we do that? We serve together to bring help, hope, and healing through aviation. So we serve in an area that is extremely isolated. The people live in isolation, extreme isolation. And that's why there's so many languages. There might be a valley and a little hill. You know, I can just show this right here. There's a valley and a mountain. So the people living here probably don't even speak the same language as the people who live here. Because it is intense, crazy terrain. And when there's isolation, that leads to a lot of problems. We use aviation so that we can serve people in isolation. There's a lot of benefits. There's education. There's health benefits. There's just getting around. We, we like to drive around, right? Well, they don't have roads even, let alone cars. So it helps people get around. It helps the missionaries. It helps the local church. All those things. But the, the, the main reason we're out there is so that we can share Christ's love with the people who live in severe isolation. That's our, our main reason why we're there. And all those other things are great, too. These people truly live at the, the ends of the earth. And it's our privilege to, to be able to serve them and to share Christ's love. So practically, help, hope, and healing. So I just want to talk a little bit about what that actually looks like. If I can. There we go. 
So let's let's talk a little bit about how we help. So again, we have a really awesome opportunity. Can you guys see? Am I in the way? Sorry, I'm not going to do that, but I'll just try to keep moving around. We have a cool opportunity to to serve friends. These these guys right here, this is Seth and this is Ewan. There's Seth again right there. We get to serve these guys who are doing really cool work with translation and Bible translation. So right here, Seth is actually right on our front yard doing a translation project with these Fayu guys. And this is the, the creation story. And he's just learning the language and the intricacies of it so that he can better communicate the gospel to these guys. And Iwan, his family from South Africa, we get to serve these guys and with the airplane, but also when they come to, to town for a break, because living in interior is very, very, very difficult, they come to our base and we get to serve them even on our base. So these guys are super smart, but they don't know how to fix a water pump and they don't know how to work on their, their motorcycle. So I get to really help them in very practical ways, not even with the airplane, but it's just a cool opportunity that we have in Nabire to help these guys, uh, specifically them. This guy won't leave us alone. He's really good to our kids, so we, we let him stay. He, he reads Captain Underpants and all that fun stuff to them. Uh, help. This, this is just a, a picture of a guy I took, but it's really nice to be able to get to family or to get to some place to do something. And there's really no other logical way to get around. So that's just a very practical way of how we help people. Uh, this is uh, in, the, in the village of Derapos, and this is a school. The, the government built the school, and it laid empty for 20 years. And they never sent out a teacher. The, the whole community doesn't know uh, how to read or write or even speak Indonesian, which is a big problem if they want to get anywhere outside of just their, their small little village. And we support the missionaries who used to live there and then now have trained. They, have a, they live in Nabi right now and have a school. And they train people, Indonesians, Papuans, to, to teach other Papuans. So it's a literacy class. And this one guy, Otose, is the teacher who teaches over 100 students in, in the village that he comes from. And it's really awesome to be able to serve them, to help them, so that they can learn how to read even. This is this is that family. This is our uh, um, our really good friends, uh, the Kims and their their Korean couple that live out in Nabire. This is the guy from uh, one of the translators from Bina, who we serve, who that just had a church born in their in their village. And this this is the rest of the team from Bina. And we we this is uh, the the Moxnesses who just had the the Bibles printed and and we had a dedication for the tribe there in Aoye language. And it's just an incredible opportunity to be able to help missionaries do what they do. I, I don't know what the stats are, but it saves decades and decades of year or it saves decades translating the Bible by using the airplane. And it's just such a fun opportunity to be a part of that. Keep losing track. Okay, I want to show you a quick reason why the train is so difficult. So here's zooming in. Uh, there is 
so you guys watched the documentary, Jenna Diana. That's this is where it is right here. So there's a documentary coming out about Mission Aviation Fellowship that I highly recommend you watch. I haven't seen it yet. Talk to these guys. They'll tell you to do that too. But anyway, this Mokondoma, does that sound familiar? Yeah, so Mokondoma is a place where there's some Bible translators who already uh, translated the Bible. There's a church, a, a native church, Papuan-led, and they said, well, we have family in Puluk, just down the valley. They speak our same language, but they don't know who Jesus is. But we want to send one of our own as an evangelist to, to share Christ's love with these, to these guys in the gospel. But this trek is incredibly difficult. It's, it's not very far. How far is it? It's 15 miles, but it takes three days to walk if, with their family, and it's very dangerous. Not only because of the terrain and the animals, but also because of security risks involved in the area right now. It's a two-minute flight or something right now. They just opened this airstrip, and I just want to talk about hope. So this is my friend Nathan landing. Here he is right there in Puluk for the first time. He's not landing downhill. You don't land downhill. You land uphill. But he's just checking it out. And he flew in these guys who are the evangelists, who who are going to to, to preach the gospel to their family for the first time that they they will hear for the first time in their own language. And it was an incredible opportunity for MAF to be able to share the hope of Christ's love and the gospel to people. And we get to do this all the time. This was an incredible story. This is the the Dim tribe that I talked about before who now has a church. We're going to be worshiping with the Dim people now in heaven because these guys went through uh, 70 lessons or so, um, going from the beginning of the Bible all the way through to, to be able to clearly communicate the gospel so that they don't just add on another god to their, their, all the other gods that they worship, but to clearly communicate, no, this is, this is the God, and this is where we stand as uh, his creation in sin and our need for a savior. So this is all of them listening to their presentations. And there, I think there are 300 people from the tribe watching. And what, what better hope is that, right? Than hope in Christ. So that was really cool. This is my friend Tinus. He, he lives, he used to live in Pogapa. They have a school and they have a teacher, but the teacher never shows up to school ever. And all of his friends, his family, they're illiterate still. And we get to serve with this organization by flying some of these kids out to give them a good education so that hopefully someday that they'll be able to serve their people in Papua again. And he is from the second graduating class of the school. And he's going to the States here pretty soon. He speaks fluent English, which is very rare for Papuans who his friends and family don't even speak Indonesian and he's going to go to a college and learn how to, he wanted to be a pilot and um, you know, that, that would just be amazing if he shows back up 10 years later and he's able to serve his own people by using airplanes. So I'm really excited for him and what great hope that is too with
with education. We also do tons of flights for medevac. Living out in Papua is just super hard and bad stuff happens and people get sick. And <laughs> I remember hearing one of the songs of a, a, of a people who just, like a church was just born in their language. And that this is one of the first songs that they made in their own language to praise God. And, and in it, it's talking about, oh, we're so excited for heaven because there's not going to be skin diseases in heaven. <laughs> I was like, yeah, hopefully there won't be. That's, that, I mean, but it's just life for them. And it's just something that they always deal with. And this story is pretty, pretty amazing. I actually wasn't the pilot on it, but this, this lady gave birth to twins. And this is another testimony of the, the power of truth in the gospel, usually they kill one or both of the twins because they're an evil spirit. But this, this was in Bina, the, the last slide I show, showed of all the people listening to the gospel. The missionaries convinced them to not kill their babies, which was amazing. But she didn't pass her placenta, which is super dangerous, and she was dying. We sent her out. This is them carrying her to the, the airplane. There's the twins right there. And she shows up and no one's available to take her to the hospital. So we take her to the hospital and they say, yeah, 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 she needs blood. So go find it. This is her blood type. So I'm calling everyone I know. We we find people who can give the blood, enough blood. And then we have to go all the way out of the, the hospital and around the corner. And, and then that all happens. And then the lady goes, here, here's the blood. Take it back. So I have to run it all the way back before it congeals because it's not, it's just in bags basically. And we, we have to get formula for the babies and clothes for the babies and force the nurses to feed them. And it, it was just a really cool story of how the whole community was involved in this, uh, this instance here. But it, it was truly amazing. She now has heard the gospel. I don't know if her name's Tarisi. I don't know if she has accepted Christ yet, but she's act, she lives in a place where there's a church in her own language. So um, it, it's really cool. And those those two kids are going to have um, a lot of opportunities to hear of the love of Christ. But we we get these all the time. I find a sephoidy. There's malaria. There's dengue. There's broken bones. There's snake bites. Um, that kid broke his femur. We, we do, this is a, we prepared a kit to drop so this place doesn't have an airstrip yet and there's a lot of sick people who needed medication so we fly over and we can actually throw stuff out of the window which is super fun. <laughs> but yeah, and then that has a bunch of medicine in it. So that, that's another awesome opportunity. So yeah, we, we, we are privileged to be able to serve these guys and fly them. Um, because they don't have, they live in a super hard area. There's absolutely no medical care whatsoever. And we get to save a lot of lives by taking them into town, even though the, the medical system in the town that we live in isn't that great. But we still get to do as much as we can to help serve them. And I, I was rummaging through pictures and I found this one. This is my friend Brian talking to the, this local guy about um, about the stuff that he brought in. I don't even know what it was, if it was food or building supplies or whatever, but 
it just cracks me up watching it. So I want to show it to you. So what do you think about the stuff that we brought? Hey, you so happy. Why are you happy? Oh, praise the Lord. Okay. I like that old guy. There's a lot of fun old guys there. It's an incredible opportunity that we have to be able to serve in Papua to the Papuan people and the missionaries. And uh, I just want to thank you for supporting us to be able to do the supporting role. Uh, So before I go any further, before I go into some stories, I want to let you know what we need. MAF needs people who praise for the people that they support or for, for the missionaries, MAF missionaries. So please continue to pray for us. Uh, if you are or know someone who's a teacher, we desperately need teachers to be able to teach our kids. So just throwing that out there. Please talk to us if that's something that, that uh, you're interested in. Uh, if we will always take monthly support and we're grateful that you guys are supporting us. Uh, as a church, but us or other missionaries would uh, love to be supported by you personally, if that's something that you're interested in. And then again, the, the prayer letter, monthly update, email stuff is out there. So please look at that. Okay, so that's, I think that's all on my PowerPoint here. Let's get into some stories. I wanted to share from scripture first something that has been super powerful in my life is Psalm 27. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read the beginning and the end. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then go into the end. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So that's a kind of a segue into some of the stories that I have. I have a lot of stories from this past four years, three and a half being in Papua, and I just want to tell you two of them. So the first one, I want to talk about my friend Joyce. She was uh, a single gal who is a pilot and an IT specialist who moved out to Papua when we were in language school, or moved out to Indonesia when we were in language school. And we met her about three months in while we were there for three months and then she moved. And it was really hard for us that first time in language school. We, Trisha was pregnant and we had a crazy little child and, and the culture and the language and interpersonal stuff with other missionaries was just really, really difficult for us. And then Joyce came in and she was, a bright spot in our lives. She was our community. She was a a very dear, close friend to us. And she was incredibly smart. I should have been mad at how fast she learned Indonesian, faster than us, but you can't be mad at her. She's too nice. She graduated from MIT and was a computer programmer. uh, What do you call it? What? Security... Internet, I don't know internet stuff. Uh, she, she was really, really smart and she actually created security programs that were named after her. She was in the military. She was highly decorated in the Air Force doing cybersecurity stuff. And then she found out from God who 
talk to her that she was supposed to do in mission aviation. So she stopped doing what she was doing, went to seminary, graduated with her master's in, in seminary, something or other, and learned how to fly, instructed, got experience, joined MAF, they accepted her, and then we met her in language school. And she was a dear, dear friend to us. She she moved to Papua with us after we were there for a couple of months, and we just lived life together. And she was she was awesome. Our kids called her Aunt Joyce, and she came over to our house and had dinner with us and played with our kids. And um, what day was that? May twelfth of twenty twenty. We by this point we already moved to Nabire, and she was still in Santani, where where most of the people are, where we spent our first time just getting getting trained and ready to go to Nabire. And she was on a flight that there was there was an issue and her plane went down into the lake and she died. And it was incredibly hard. That was at the peak of lockdowns there, so we were only two hour flight away and she and, and we we couldn't get there. So we weren't able to be a part of the the funeral, the rescue, or not the rescue, but the, to getting the body, to get the, the airplane, anything. We were stuck. And it was really, really hard for us and our whole team. We couldn't be with the rest of our team for support who lived in Nabi, or in Santani. And that was just really hard. And that was my first story. So let me just talk to my, about my second story. Just move right along. So this one happened this year, January 6th. I was on a flight to Pagamba, a village that I've been to several times before. And I landed the airplane and was forced out by gunpoint um, along with my two passengers that I had. I had some cargo too. And I was forced to sit down in front of the airplane while they took things out of the airplane and held me at gunpoint and burned my airplane, burned MAF's airplane. Uh, I was held hostage for that whole day, and we tried to. We were able to contact a, a airplane that flew over, made a plan, pick us up at a, another village about halfway in between that airport or airstrip and another airstrip, and um, yeah, just pick me up in the her- hel- helicopter the next day. So we took off. Someone found us and said, hey, they're really mad. you got to go back or they're going to kill you. So we had to go back to them. And we had a, a meeting with the, the leader or whatever. And he gave me a letter to give to my boss and then to President Trump, which I forgot to do. So remind me to do that. And, and then let us go. And I made it out after that to... Uh, a hut and to spend the night with the the guys who went with me and was later picked up the next day by heli- helicopter and got to meet with my wife and kids the next morning so why would i talk about two incredibly depressing stories on sunday where everything's supposed to be super happy and fun and nice and let me tell you I want to talk about providence. Do you know what providence is? It's kind of like um, sovereignty. God's sovereign. 
key. Let's define sovereignty. It's God's right and power to do all that he decides to do. That's my friend John Piper. He said that. Um, and that that's kind of going off of Job 42.2. I know you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And when I'm dealing with the loss of a friend and an extremely traumatic event, and I think of sovereignty, it's, it's true. We can't get over the fact that God is in complete control, and there's no way around that. But it doesn't really give me the happy, joy, fun feeling. You know, It just feels like this is the way it is, deal with it. And we can kind of relate to that with our kids. We, or when you're a kid, your parents tell you to do something and you're like, fine, I'll do it. But you should have said that, right? Not no, <laughs> like my kids all the time. But you don't understand what is behind the rule or the thing that your parents are trying to tell you. And, you know, when you incorporate God's wisdom, because he is the essence of wisdom, right? And his plan, which is perfect, you get, you get meaning behind it. You have something, you have meat behind what he has, behind sovereignty. So sovereignty is the service, in the service of wisdom and purpose, is providence. So wise and purposeful sovereignty. So absolutely everything that needs to be done to bring about God's purpose, God sees to it that it happens. And Isaiah 46.10 says, I will accomplish all my purpose. So providence is the sweet realization that nothing surprises God. He uses all things, good and bad, hard and easy, bitter and sweet, to bring him ultimate glory. If, if God can use Joyce, Joyce's death more than she would when she was alive, who am I to say that God's wrong? I mean, God can totally do so much more than what we can ever imagine. We, we get these little glimpses of, of what we experience in life, and God is working in a million other ways that we won't see on the side of heaven, but we will, and I'm really excited about that. Nobody has the authority to stop God's hand or question what he does because he's in absolute control for the better, right? If we were in control, it would be just utter chaos. So what he wills happens, his plan done, and his kingdom established. And, you know, that's, that's Joyce. I don't really see a lot about how God's going to use that situation for his glory. We already have seen a lot of things, but we haven't seen even a fraction of it. But I just want to talk to you a little bit about how God has used the other situation with the, my airplane burning to, to give us peace in, in his plan. So when I was, I just want to give, fill in the story a little bit. When I was pulled out of the airplane and held at gunpoint, immediately, right away, one of the local evangelists came up and ran and wrapped his body around me to save me. He he risked his life and got in the way of all the guns so that he could save a, a, a guy who he hardly knows. And then two other pastors came up and stood around me as well. 
the radio that I was able to call the, the helicopter with and talk to him, I didn't have it until some, some gal found the, the radio that was thrown away in a, in a little Ziploc bag in little pieces. And she thought, that looks important. Maybe I should take it, even though the guys didn't take it, which would have been incredibly beneficial for them. Uh, so I was able to, to talk to the guy uh, and the helicopter, or in the airplane that was circling ahead. And then later it was used for when the helicopter had no idea where I was. I showed up at this place, and they didn't know what this place was called. The the locals said that, yeah, a helicopter's been there. And I go, okay, when was that? Oh, about 12 years ago, only twice. I'm like, ah, oh, they're never going to find us. But, you know, it was totally socked in with, with fog, and I, was, I, I made it to the place, and about an hour later, the fog cleared, and five minutes after that, I could hear the the helicopter coming down the valley right at my altitude. And he was about ready to turn around because they were scared. I was telling the, the airplane, like, don't go overhead. They're going to shoot. They <clears throat> they were right at eye level. And I was able to contact them on the radio and say, turn now, turn now, turn now. And they turned and they were able to pick out a little volleyball-sized cutout in, the, in this forest, this mountain forest. And that's what it was. It was a volleyball court. That's what he landed on. And it, it, and he saw us waving flags and was able to, to just get down and pick us up right away. And, you know, that's God's sweet providence. Twice I was spared, not only the first time, but also the second time going back to, to these guys. And in the second time, they, the, the, the guy who wrapped his body around me, he was like, you know that village that we were just, we just turned back from? I, I was able to share the gospel with these guys, I don't know how many years ago, he said, a long time ago, and they all had their bows pointed at me. They were ready to shoot. But I lifted up my shirt, and I said, you know, I have something important to tell you, and if if you take my life, I'm going to be in heaven. I'm going to be with with my God, and this is more important than that. And that that courage that I had then, we need to have now. So when we were hiking back, we stopped and prayed and saying and he you know he gave me courage and so did god when after joyce died i had a lot of anxiety about flying and you know what would happen if i did pass away um i didn't think about this scenario but you know like an airplane accident or something and i had i kind of had anxiety about it and when those guys had their guns on me i was completely at peace you know the peace that we sang about just a little bit ago that is beyond understanding. God gave me that. I didn't have an elevated heartbeat, heart rate. I wasn't worried about what was going to happen. I was totally okay. And that, that only came from God. And, and it, it was a, it was really sweet of him to do that. And all I was, all I could do was pray that, like, Hey God, take care of my wife and kids. Cause, um, I wasn't, I wasn't worried. And that, that comes from God. Um, and then just fast forwarding a little bit since then we, we started flying again and finished up and we're heading back to the States for a furlough. And then since being here, they caught two of the guys who were involved in that situation, burning the airplane and they brought them into the, the police station and our office manager is a Papuan guy was able to, to go in there and talk to this, these two guys 
and he asked the police officer who was there, um, you know, is it okay if I talk to them and pray for them? And he was like, what? What? No one wants to pray for the people who did them harm. And he looked at these guys, their faces were swollen because they were beat up. And he was able to pray for them and share like, hey, you guys want freedom from Indonesia. That's kind of why they're doing all this stuff. You want freedom, but really what you need is true freedom. And that only comes from Christ. And he was able to present the gospel to them and pray for them. And I'm convinced, I mean, I wasn't there, but just their reaction, they... they now know who Jesus is. And because of that situation and our office manager being able to talk to them. And then who knows what what could have come from the, the police officer being able to experience this. And that has never happened before. So, you know, a lot of really, really good things can happen from not so good things that, you know, what it seems like on the outside. And I just want to remind you that we have everything we need to be who God wants us to be and to do what he wants us to do in the situation in which he has planned for us. We are no longer restricted by the limits of our wisdom or strength. And by his grace, we have a new identity and potential as children of God. I mean, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So therefore, we have no need to fear people or circumstances. So let us meditate on the glory of God and his good and perfect will to strengthen our faith so to respond to life with hope and courage. And I'm just going to read what I read earlier, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait in the Lord. So let me pray here real quick. God, thank you for being good. Thank you for being that the essence of wisdom and having a perfect plan. And thank you for adopting us as your children, your sons and daughters, into your kingdom. And thank you for having a perfect plan for our lives. And I admit that we don't have a very good view of eternity, and we don't know what your plan looks like in the moment, but we know that it's good. And we thank you for that. And I pray for for myself and my family, everyone who we serve with in Papua and everyone here in Sycamore Grove, that you would you would give us your wisdom to be able to see your goodness and all the good and bad and hard and easy things that you throw at us. And we know that with the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, you you give us all the strength that we need. And we thank you for that. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.